Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, uh, thank you all so much for coming. This is this is crazy. Um, okay. Um, so as many of you have come to know uh, over these past couple years. Uh, I am exclusively sexually attracted to men and have been throughout my adult life. Uh, Fifteen months ago, back when we were in the film base, I publicly announced this reality of mine to the church and at the same time publicly announced the difficult decision I made to uh, lay my desire for a romantic relationship with a man at the foot of the cross. Uh, This decision stems from my longing to remain in Jesus, uh, overriding all of my other longings. And just to say, for those of you who disagree with this decision or aren't quite sure what the Bible says about homosexuality, I'll always be more than happy to answer questions and hear your thoughts for the next decade and beyond, and I sincerely mean that. Um, So my own, and I believe also God's intent uh, in speaking about my journey today, is to encourage you all in your pursuit and longing for the fruitfulness that's described in John 15, and to illuminate as much as possible what remaining in Jesus entails. When Jesus refers to us as branches, himself as the vine, and the Father as the gardener, he is reminding us of two key truths about growing as one of his followers. The first of these truths is that in order to bear fruit as a Christian, you must have a living, breathing connection with Christ. Jesus is saying, in essence, just as the branches of a vine won't bear fruit unless they are connected to it, so you as my followers won't bear fruit unless you are in me and I am in you. Remember, verse 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The second truth that Jesus reminds us of with his garden analogy is that our Father in heaven is a far wiser, far more skillful, and far more loving gardener than any of us could ever be of our own souls. Indeed, we are simply branches designed to be completely dependent on the great gardener for life and fruitfulness. Maximum fruitfulness is only achieved with lots of pruning, Uh, cutting off of the rough, dead edges of our hearts. This means that the process of bearing fruit will not always be pleasant for the Christian heart, but the end result will always, always be good, because the Father cannot be anything but good. There are still plenty of times when the Father's pruning hand upon my soul through the the denial of same-sex desires causes discomfort. It is during these times that I reflect on Jesus' words and ask him, let your perfect love cast out my fears, whatever it takes. Through this submission, Christ's promise of bearing fruit has been repeatedly fulfilled in ways I could have never imagined three years ago. Each instance of this fulfillment causes his roots of his trust, or roots of my trust in him, to grasp my heart to a deeper and deeper degree. Remaining in Christ is only, only possible when Jesus himself gives us the heart that believes in who he is, and in the atoning power of his death and resurrection. The only person who can make obedience to the Father joyful is the Son who brought our souls from death to life. With that in mind, I'd like to discuss five areas of my soul in which I feel the Father has done his best pruning, and in which Christ has borne the most fruit since my decision to remain in him by laying my same-sex desires at his feet. I'd like to suggest through looking at our passage today that these five areas are ones the Father intends to prune in all of us, who choose to remain in the Son. The first area in which the Father has pruned me and in which Christ has reaped fruit in my life is honesty. I needed to really allow others into my life, to know me to my very depths, to see my fears, sin, 
frustration, and idols. If I had kept all my feelings, doubts, longings, and thoughts regarding my experience of same-sex attraction between myself and God alone, they could have become a recipe for bitterness and self-pity. However, because I have opened up to others about all of this, I have known freedom. Not only that, but I have also developed a greater desire to indeed walk in the light. In verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples and future followers that they are his friends because he has opened up the truths of his heart to them and informed them of he and his father's business. This is meant to be a model for us today to open up our own hearts and to let our friends know about our business as well. Ever since making the commitment and opening up to Jesus and to others about my sexuality and convictions, I've developed an increased craving of telling the whole truth in many areas of my life. Holding back information actually feels more unnatural at this point in my life than it ever has before. Even things as small as overestimating the number of canine castrations I've performed when asked during a job interview caused me to cringe and not be able to sleep very well and correct myself by email the next day. And I, honestly, that honestly happened. I like, couldn't, I just couldn't move on until I corrected that anyway. Um, <laughs> on the occasions when I do slip up and view pornography, I now hardly let a few minutes go by before I've confessed it to God and to brothers within the body of Christ. So firstly, for God to prune me and for Christ to bear fruit in my life, I had to be honest. Honest with myself, honest with God, honest with others. And this last point, being honest with others, is how the grip of sin and darkness has been released in my life as I walked into the light and allowed others to walk beside me. This leads to the second area that the Father has pruned and in which Christ has borne fruit in my life, and that is discipleship. Authentic and consistent discipleship, both received and delivered. In verse 7 of our passage, Jesus says that letting his words remain in us is crucial to bearing fruit. A key tactic that God uses to keep his words inside of us, to ensure that we hold on to them when pressure arises, is to give us others within the body, to encourage us and challenge us with God's word. As I have allowed brothers and sisters in this church and in other churches into my life to hold me to account and to encourage me, the craving that God has produced in me to nurture others towards a similar affection for Christ has expanded, has expanded dramatically over these past couple years. Walking with those who hurt, ironically enough, has become such a joyful experience and one that I value so deeply, probably because I've been so moved and transformed by the others that have done the same for me. We all, no matter how long we've walked with Christ, need to be reminded that any nourishment received or pursued that is not rooted in Christ will be fleeting and not nearly as potent. I've had more people trust me with intimate details of their lives these past two years since making this commitment than ever before. I rejoice in this because uninhibited trust is an integral part of discipleship, both between Jesus and us and between each other. Trust in Jesus fuels a healthy rhythm of prayer, which is the next area of fruitfulness I would like to discuss. Jesus mentions prayer in verse 7 of our passage by telling us that if his words remain in us, we can ask him for whatever we wish, and it will be given us. And in verse 16, he says that as we continue to bear fruit, the Father will give us whatever we ask in his name. Going back to Jesus' picture of himself as the vine and us as the branches, I like to think of prayer as analogous to a plant's respiration. When the branch breathes in carbon dioxide through the holes in its leaves, their cells combine it with sugars and sunbeams to produce energy and release oxygen which it is then able to give towards blooming flowers and bearing fruit. We who are branches in Christ can think of his words to us in the Bible 
as the carbon dioxide that plants take in to stay vital and fresh. We can think of our prayers, in other words, our words out to him, as the necessary release of the thoughts and energy generated by his word, and thus as a key ingredient involved in bearing fruit. Friends, remaining in Christ through obedience is difficult. It's difficult in the sense of denying ourselves what we often think will satisfy our hearts, but also difficult in the sense that we are constantly tempted to try and earn Jesus' love through our obedience. Earnest prayer is the antidote to both legalism and rebellion. And think about it. Would we really be desperate enough to pray if obedience was easy? My gut tells me it wouldn't be so. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus tells us to come to him when we are weary and promises us rest, an easy yoke, and a light burden. The yoke refers to a wooden bar that crosses the shoulders of two cattle as they pull a cart or plow across a field. If a yoke were to be easy on the shoulders of one ox, it would have to be pulled more vigorously by the second one in order to lessen the pressure on the first. In this image, Jesus wants us to see that the field we're trying to plow, the sin pattern we're trying to break, the illness we're trying to defeat, or the hardship we're trying to endure is not able to be conquered apart from him. He is the strongest ox that has ever lived. He is more than capable of taking all of the pressure of the yoke upon himself and allowing us as the smaller, weaker ox to simply walk alongside. I have to confess that I still get this wrong so often and find myself trying to remain righteous in my own strength. I still need to pray for him to break my pride over and over again and teach me to be the smaller ox that just lets the yoke rest gently across his shoulders rather than try to be the bigger ox and pull the cart that's far too heavy for me alone. Prayer has become so precious to me through this journey and flows as much from my pen as it does through my lips. I feel a genuine communication from God as he puts thoughts in my heart and I communicate them back to him with questions and longings attached. I find myself more and more often these days saying things like, I don't know how to think about this. Show me who I am. Thank you for authoring my life. Show me how to treasure you in this moment because I don't feel capable. Whoa, God, that man is beautiful. And help me embrace the awkward for the sake of your glory. Um, All of these happen now without hesitation, whereas in the past, when these types of thoughts entered my head, I used to think, what's going to happen if I say that out loud? I received some words from the Lord during a prayer a few weeks ago. Um, a response that went something like this. Son, forget about your sexuality for just a minute and rejoice that you and I are inseparable. I've already completed you. Rest and then share. He's constantly reminding me of other people and nations that I would not have the headspace to think of on my own. As much as I've grown to treasure prayer and its increased frequency in my daily walk over these past couple years, I still often feel the same awe as San Francisco pastor Francis Chan when he says, are you kidding me? I can speak to God. The writer of Hebrews illustrates the effects of sincere prayer on the heart of the Christian beautifully when he says in chapter 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And uh, this brings me to the next area that the Father has pruned and in which Christ has borne fruit in my life, and that is hope. Remaining in Jesus gives us hope, not only in the promise of resurrection from death, but also in bearing fruit that will last in this life. Remember, Jesus came not to condemn us, but that we may have life and have it to the full. 
As much as the world, our culture, and even people in the church, not this one, will repeatedly say to me that submitting my sexuality to Jesus in the way I described will cause me to really miss out on being fully human, the Lord has told me differently. He's told me that I will continue to experience the beauty of being trusted by others who want to learn how to love him better, that I will be a billboard of the sufficiency of his grace to a world that scorns it and says we don't need it, that I will be a friend that makes people's hearts do somersaults, and that I will develop a supernatural empathy that can infiltrate the weariest of souls for his glory. All of these identities and many more that he's given me, as I've decided over and over again to remain in him, gives me a hope and passion for being alive that is probably not obvious to any of you. (laughs) The final area in which the Father has done extensive pruning and in which Christ has borne fruit in my life is love. This is mentioned nine times in the last eight verses of our passage today. Love for God and love for others is evidence of our remaining in Christ and his word, and it is absolutely paramount to bearing fruit. The Lord has really prompted me through this journey of submission to really take his words, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, to heart. Obviously, one can take this verse literally, as does the common fantasy of loving someone enough to take a bullet for him or her. And of course, this being mere hours before his arrest and crucifixion, uh, Jesus was alluding to the laying down of his own life that would soon occur. But I also think Jesus has in mind here a willingness to interrupt your life and plans for your friends as well. We know, that, we know that God commends this type of sacrifice for a friend, given the Old Testament story of Jonathan committing his life to helping David stay alive so that he could take the kingdom over from Jonathan's own father, King Saul. Over these past five months, I've joyfully visited six of my most precious and severely missed friends across eight different time zones. Only one of these visits had more than two months planning behind it. This may seem like a lot of effort, but I genuinely feel as though I gained more than I gave towards every single one of these friends and trips. My previous lapses of envy towards couples and families have, has been genuinely replaced these past couple years with affection and longing to contribute to their well-being, which I can feel increasing still on a daily basis, so much so that I'm already asking God to lead me to the paths of families in need back in Orange County. The trust that both husbands and wives has, have extended to me in the same time frame has been breathtaking. As God has grown my affections towards the people I'm fortunate enough to call friends, I've written more letters in these past two years than ever before. I really enjoy this, by the way. So if you'd like to be on my mailing list once I'm across the pond, I'd be more than happy to to add you on. Um, Give me your address once we're done here. Uh, Our love for family, friends, strangers, and even enemies must derive its strength from the cross and all the King of Kings has done to reclaim us from Satan's grip. We must rejoice indeed that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, as we know Christ's love for us, we can love others fully. 20th century theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer illustrated this truth beautifully when he said, Justification is not mainly for the relief of our guilt, but for the release of our love. However, the relief of our guilt is essential, and essential means without it, we would not be able to love our enemy or return good for evil. In closing, I would like to say the biggest thank you to every single person in this church who has walked by my side at any point during my time here in Dublin, whether it was for a few seconds or a few years. If you can think of even one instance in which you prayed for me, encouraged me, made me laugh, bought me a drink, or shared your heart or time with me in any way or anything else at all that you did for me or with me, I appreciate you and love you more than you know. For all of you out here who call yourselves Christ followers, I want to plead with you 
to remain in him with all your hearts, all your souls, and all your strength. Even in those areas where it's so difficult to keep trusting and you feel like Atlas holding the world on your shoulders, I promise you he loves you so much and wants nothing more than for you to be joyfully and wonderfully his as his perfect love casts out your fears and sets you free from other gods. Can I urge you all to be honest? Don't keep your business hidden and don't let it remain in darkness. Allow God in. Allow brothers and sisters in. Can I, form, can I urge you to form deep discipleship relationships with each other in which you sharpen and encourage each other with God's word? There is no required particular method of how to do this. Just go forth and take the risk. Invest in someone and give someone the permission to invest in you. It might just be the most beautiful thing you've ever done. Can I urge you to keep praying with all your hearts? Start including that phrase, whatever it takes, and you'll be amazed at what God makes happen. Can I urge you to never give up hoping in Christ? Trust that what Jesus says is, in fact, the best thing for you and the pathway to the most abundant fruit, even when your emotions, desires, and thoughts don't always align with what he says. In the times when that is the state of your heart, ask your friends to help you believe that when you don't feel capable of believing it yourself. The Father will never stop being the good gardener that he is and always has been. He wants you to sprout blossoms that last forever. And above all, can I urge you to love, 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 and love some more. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love God with all your hearts and all your souls and all your strength. Love one another. For any of you here today who don't call Jesus your Lord and Savior and still stayed around till the end of the sermon, um, fair play. And (laughs) thank you for listening, and you are welcome in here at any time. Ask your questions about him freely and continue to seek truth. Please think about checking out his claims of who he is and what he's done and consider giving him your life. Don't force your heart to do anything, though, and, but just invite him in as you feel led. Thank you all for listening.